right, we're going to jump right into the scriptures this morning. I just want to remind you in a couple of weeks, Pastor uh, Caleb and Julie Davidson from my church in Ottawa will be with us. We're just believing for a connection between our churches. Christina and I and Julie and Caleb have already begun some relational connection. Uh, we'll just see where God takes all of this. We love partnering with churches in our region. And this will be an amazing opportunity to bring a friend. Caleb is a very gifted speaker, and uh, it'll, it's going to be a, an amazing morning. We're turning to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. If I haven't said so, welcome to you that are online today. Uh, we have people that are watching every week that are a part of Harvest, uh, and uh, we, we're just appreciative that you join us this way. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats. That's not the, that's not the sermon for today. <laughs> that's never happened before. It's a first for everything. I should have kept going to see how many of you would have noticed. Speak amongst yourselves while we solve this technical difficulty. I should be able to do it by memory, right? Now it's doing something. It's my camera app. I don't want my camera app. Where's Ryan when you need him? What's it doing? Oh, this could be it. There it is, how to receive your miracle. That's the one I want. Dun, dun, dun. Got it. All right. When Jesus had again crossed over the boat to the other side of the lake, he kind of starts the same way, that's why I was fooled by it. A large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jarius came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I love that. Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Immediately. Her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd, and he asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you're going to ask the question, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while Jesus was still speaking, some people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and the brother, Peter, uh, John, the, uh, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And while they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. And after he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went where the child was, and he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And this, they were completely astonished. Father, I pray today for the miracles that are waiting to happen right now this morning. Lord, in a few moments as we conclude and uh, we'll gather around and pray for some people believing for their miracle, thank you that miracles are already incubating, ready to come forth and be realized in this room right now. Lord, that there are those that will learn the principles, Lord, to be able to be miracle generators, Lord, in their, in their realm of influence of their lives, in their families, amongst their own children, at work, to believe you for the miracles that you want to do as you demonstrate the kingdom in our midst in these days. Lord, I believe as things are getting darker and darker in the world, the church is to get brighter and brighter. The glory of God. What is the glory of God? That is his, your greatness being made known, being revealed. Reveal your greatness and your glory today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so let's jump right into this as we would look at this account of the scriptures in Luke. It says that when Jesus returned to this area to speak, a crowd welcomed him for they were expecting him. A crowd welcomed him because they were expecting him. When you come on Sunday, we encourage you to come expecting. We'll use that word, come expecting. Expecting what? Expecting Jesus to be here. We just uh, taught a number of weeks ago and uh, on worship and uh, the truths of that and being planted in the house by the river, uh, being worshipers. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I just really feel like the water level, the watermark of our worship times together has come higher and not just higher in, in the participation, and thank you for doing that, but just in the very real sense of the power uh, of God, the, the, the realization that Jesus is with us. And so we understand that principle. It's why we teach it to you, to, um, to just press in and worship. They were expecting him, expecting him. Do you come on Sundays expecting? Do you tune in online expecting that the supernatural will take place? We want to be a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit. Just welcomes Holy Spirit. You just just come and and mess us up and and be a part of everything that we're doing. That we wouldn't be so stuck in our own ways. That we would we wouldn't be uh, uh, just poised with expectation for God to do something in our midst. So we welcome Jesus just like this crowd did each and every Sunday. But here's what I find. I find that when there is kind of a crowd, which is what's happening, and I love it. And don't change it. But when the crowd or the congregation, the community of faith, the group of people in numbers, 
that there's people will describe it. There's such an energy in the room. And we tell them, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not just the energy uh, like at a hockey game. And you can feel it in a hockey game. You can feel when uh, even the tide begins to turn in a home, home team advantage, they talk about it. What is that? Well, that's the energy in the room that the players are picking up on. But in the house of God, that's the sense of the Holy Spirit in the room. Home team advantage. God is for me and not against me. Come on, somebody. Yeah, and we sense that and feel that. And, and, uh, and so oftentimes, though, I, I see where people can come and, and, and be a part of what's happening and be a part of the crowd and yet not be one of the people that are pressing in. And so you can be a part of what's happening kind of in the room. But I, I want to challenge you today, and we're talking about principles to receive your miracle. And if you want to believe God for miracles, then you have to take another step, not just be, have expectation and welcome Jesus, but you would be one of the people, one of the people, number one, to get to Jesus. Be determined that you yourself, each and every week when you come, if you're tuning in online, that I, I'm not leaving, not leaving this till I get to Jesus. A moment ago as we were just praying and I just kind of stood and paused, it was because I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna change gears. I didn't, it was just this beautiful moment of we're standing in the very presence of Jesus. And for me personally, I just, I was feeling that, sensing that. People say, what do you mean by that? Is it a, like one of the five senses? No, just inside as you walk with the Lord and as you learn to hear his voice inside. You become attuned to his presence. And you know what it is to get into his presence, to get to Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Not in the crowd, not in the crowd. That's good, but to take another step where you yourself personally, and that's why we invite you to come forward in these weeks because sometimes... We just need to, you know, just get rid of the distractions of the crowd, the distractions of what might be crowding you out in your own life, and get to Jesus. Well, there's this lady that's been suffering a hemorrhaging. She has uh, um, issues pertaining just to being a woman and, and uh, having this constant, uh, her constant period for literally for 12 years. And she's in the crowd. She's in the crowd. She's in the crowd that's welcoming Jesus. She's in the crowd that's experiencing Jesus, but that she knew that wasn't enough for her miracle. She needed to get to Jesus. Say, get to Jesus. Some of you are gonna get this. Some of you are gonna understand it. There's a difference. When I press in personally, I close my eyes. I enter into that place of prayer, and I, I'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch, and, and it's literally the hem of, his, of, of the garment he was wearing, this robe that he was wearing. If I could just kind of get in there. And so in order to do that, you need to see that she, like, she was army crawling through the crowd. She was like army crawling. Like, excuse me, pardon me, get out of my way. I'm getting to Jesus no matter what. When was the last time you had a no matter what, I'm getting to Jesus attitude? There are many of you in the room this morning. But it's important that we just, in our, in our morning time, in our prayer time, and when we gather, it's not just welcoming and expecting. We're like, we're getting to Jesus today. No matter what, I'm not letting anything keep me. I'm not letting bad attitude. I'm not letting what happened this week. I'm not letting anything keep me from getting to Jesus. Say, get to Jesus. 
And we teach a lot about this and encourage this. And, and uh, Jarius, we read about him in this story. He's the leader of the synagogue. In coming to Jesus, he, 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 he had a lot to lose. He had a lot to lose. The backlash back at the synagogue, his reputation um, that he would face when he got back to synagogue, that he would be going to Jesus for help. But Jairus was desperate for a miracle. He was getting to Jesus. Zacchaeus climbs a tree, a sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. I need to get to Jesus. Whatever is crowding you out, whatever's happening in your life right now, make it a priority. I'm going to get to Jesus. Because she thought if I just touch the hem of his garment, immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. If I could just get to Jesus, I will be healed. Say, I will be. She knew, where her, she knew that her miracle was in the present. Jesus had the miracle. Jesus has your miracle. Your miracle is not some ethereal. Jesus has the answer to your situation. He has your miracle. He's the only one that has your miracle. That's why you're going to get to Jesus. It's interesting as we read this, that once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, it's a really interesting statement, that he felt someone had put a draw on, like a, tra like a transaction at a bank, that at that moment his phone beeped and said, uh, uh, someone's been to the ATM, which Christina has on her phone, and I can't, I can't be away from the ATM for 30 seconds. I will usually text her first. I will be at the ATM in 30 seconds, and you will get, and this is what, because she's so good at finances, and she wants to make sure that I'm following the budget, which I don't always do. And so Jesus' phone goes off. There's been a transaction. Say transaction. Something's been withdrawn from me. I felt power leave me. And so now he's scanning the crowd to find out who it was. And interestingly, he says to his disciples, did you see what happened? And, and, and they're like, what are you, Jesus? They wanted to say, are you, are you like, what, what are you on right now? Because this is so crowded. Everybody's touching you. And he goes, no, not that kind of a touch. A touch of faith that says, if I can get to Jesus, I know he has my miracle. And so Jesus starts scanning, looking, because he wants to talk to her. Now watch this. She comes trembling, because now she feels like she's done something wrong. Do you see it in the scripture? Did you kind of feel that when we read it? And she tells him the whole truth. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, I, I just thought this, and, and I hope I wasn't an inconvenience, and I, and I hope I didn't do anything wrong. I hope I didn't take anything without asking, which is exactly what she was saying. She felt as if, and it seems like Jesus set this up, somebody took something from me without asking. Somebody's getting this. It's great to pray. We're talking about prayer. We're going to continue praying. But sometimes our prayers are simply kind of words that we throw up into the air, hoping Jesus will catch them. When what he's looking for is the prayer of faith that the Bible talks about. It says, pray the prayer of faith. Pray asking, knowing you've received it. Pray asking that you know that Jesus has your miracle. She was so excited that she literally took her miracle without asking. Let that sink in. 
Now watch this. And once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and says, who, who did this? He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. So he's not reprimanding her. She didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he affirms that the transaction is a real one and that her faith is what withdrew power that contained her miracle. So her faith in Jesus and her getting to Jesus to get to who had the miracle released the miracle. It is our faith in Jesus that releases the miracle. Not an I hope so, not maybe. I sure hope you can help me out with this, Jesus. But an understanding that we are the children of God, that we are the recipients of what he has for us. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. He conquered death, the grave, sickness. He conquered everything. So so that we could get to Jesus and get to our miracle. Four of you are excited about that. It's my goal to have you all cheering in just a moment. Let's keep going. Our faith puts a draw on the power of God. It's our faith that releases the miracle. Not her prayer request because she didn't have one. A faith believing. Number two, have faith in what Jesus wants to do for you. Have faith in what Jesus wants to do for you. Remember, the story starts with Jairus coming and asking for a healing for his sick daughter. And he has faith. And actually, he has faith for somebody else. Which, by the way, that's another principle that we're not going to spend a lot of time. But I love it when people come forward for prayer and they go, no, not for me, but for my mom. Not for me, for my dad. Not for me, but for a coworker." And we stand in, we call it standing in proxy or standing in the place. We have faith for another, believing that God will touch them. And that is, that's what Jarius is doing. And it's awesome that we do that. While Jesus, while Jesus is telling uh, the woman with the issue of blood, telling her about her faith, telling her about her faith, um, somebody walks up while Jesus was still speaking. They actually interrupt him. He's in his teaching about faith withdrawing and faith made you whole. He's in the middle of that teaching. Someone comes from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? While Jesus is explaining faith, we're talking about he, have faith in what he wants to do for you today. A messenger comes and tells him it's too late. It's too late. Your daughter's dead. The, the prayer request that you were bringing to Jesus, yeah, you really needed to get to him, and you got to him. And Jairus is staring his faith. He was expect, one of those expecting people in the crowd. And in fact, he had Jesus' full attention, full-on attention. He got to Jesus. And in the midst of what was going on, and, and, and as we believe for miracles, believing about this, or believing about faith, he had faith. And believing that Jesus wants to do these miracles, he wants to. But in that moment, he's losing sight of that because a messenger came and said, it's too late. It's too far gone. It's dead. Your daughter is dead. What you're believing for will never have life. It's too far gone. It's dead. Number three, your faith will get challenged. Your faith will get challenged. When we talk about having faith, the Bible says you can have faith as a mustard seed. Really, really little faith. And that really little faith can do uh, 
incredible things. And I think what we miss about the mustard seed parable, if I just have a little bit of faith, is that it's a mustard, a mustard, what do you do with seeds? Many of us don't plant our faith. Many of us go around holding our little bit of faith. Jesus told me I only need a little bit of faith. But you see, faith is gonna get challenged. And if you're holding your little bit of faith, it'll get challenged and it's not going to grow. And Jesus wants you to grow your faith so you can start living in the realm of knowing how to receive a miracle for yourself and for somebody else, as Jarius was doing. And if we're ever gonna be called on to do that, as Mia was praying in huddle today, it, that's, that's right now, right now. I can't imagine if we were uh, facing the medical crisis like Cuba is, and literally, life and death is going to be in the prayer over our children as they have fevers or have sickness. And I'm not forecasting or saying that's gonna happen, but in its perspective, think about you would need, say need. And some of us, we don't need to grow our faith because we think there are other options. But let's not have the other options. Let's press in and understand, plant your faith. That's why we're in the Word. That's why we're learning about how, how awesome Jesus is. That's why you're in small group discussing it, so that we can plant our faith. Your faith, though, will get challenged. Your faith will get challenged, number three. Jarius was doing everything right, and he gets the message that bad has gone to worst. Bad has gone to worst. Your daughter's dead. Call centers today are a pretty standard way of companies um, dealing with their customer service. Um, I, I'm not a fan. Uh, anybody a fan of call centers and getting somebody that knows nothing about your problem? Anybody else a fan of that? And they read off a script that they're given, and no matter what you say, the script comes back, and they say, you get, you, like, I know what you're going to say. No, please listen to me today. So it, it can sometimes be really frustrating to be speaking to someone. You've gone to great lengths to describe it, and uh, you're telling them, and, uh, and then they tell you, I'm sorry, and they read off their screen the solution. And you know, oh, my goodness, no, you're not getting this. And if you harass them, it doesn't really work because I've tried, and I know. So you, you shouldn't harass them on the other end. Um, but I have found this. I have discovered this. I have that if you um, if you really feel like they're not getting it, they're stuck on their script. That um, you, you simply say, "Hey, listen, uh, I've tried to work this through with you today, and I just feel like you know we are, there's a bit of a breakdown in our communication, and I would like you to escalate this call today to your supervisor. Could you escalate this call to the supervisor? When you ask for that, they'll act like they just got out of jail because they're so happy that they don't have to talk to you anymore." and deal with your problem, and the supervisor, it's gonna be their problem now, so they escalate it up to the supervisor. Now, they're not allowed to do that until it reaches a certain threshold, so you can just, right away, hey, do you mind escalating this to a supervisor? Yes, they'll be very happy about it. And then you get escalated up, and at some point, you reach the top, and the person assures you, and you, can, you just can tell that by what they know, and what they know about your situation, and I've heard it said, Mr. Stevenson, we're really sorry. There's nothing we can do about your circumstance. There's nothing we can do for whatever reason. Well, at that moment, I'm probably not going to dial back the 1888 number and start all over again and hope, hope to find somebody that'll change their mind about this. I've reached the top and found out there is nothing we can do about this. 
And so if I press it any further, I am literally harassing them because they have explained there is nothing we can do about this. Say, nothing we can do. Track with me, track with me. Your daughter, the messenger says, I'm talking about faith is going to get challenged. That's why we want to plant it. That's why we want to grow it. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother? Why harass? Why talk to the teacher any more? This week while I was preparing this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit began to search my heart the way I believe he's going to talk to some people right now. The Holy Spirit began to remind me of things in my life that have gone from to bad to worse and even worse more. You see, something inside me believed the lie of the messenger. Why bother Jesus anymore about this? Why are you bothering Jesus with this anyway? Why are you, don't even bring it up in prayer anymore. I, I, would, I wouldn't ask Jesus. Why are you talking to the teacher, Jarius' messenger said. She's dead. It's gone from bad to worse. There is nothing he can do about this. And we begin to believe the lie of the enemy that there's nothing Jesus can do because in our framework, we see that it's gone from bad to worse. And in our framework and context, there is nothing more that can be done. Can I tell you this morning? That's when it's good news because that's when a miracle is a miracle. Because if you could do it, it wouldn't be a miracle. It would just be convenient that it's over. The Holy Spirit began to check me and I began to realize that there are areas of my life that I stopped praying. I stopped asking. I stopped seeking. I stopped knocking on the door. And my faith was allowed to be overcome with the fear that has gone from, I'll just, just put that into a compartment. There's nothing Jesus can do about that. And if I'm confessing that today to you, I, I, I want it to be a challenge. I want to challenge you. What has gone what has gone from your prayer list? What has gone to the side where, because you just said it's gotten so bad, there's nothing. And if I pray about this, why bother? Why harass? What's the use of praying about this? It's not working. It hasn't changed. I'm talking about growing your faith. Faith is going to get challenged. I wonder what would happen if we began to press into prayer in some of those areas that we thought had gone from bad to worse. Nothing was going to change. Jesus ignored the messenger. Jesus ignored their comments. He ignored their comments. In some translations, if you're reading your Bible today, you have it with you and you're looking at it, it says, he overheard he overheard what the messenger said. And it's both. It's both and. It's a hard word to actually translate into English. He absolutely heard. He knew. He wasn't, he wasn't denying that she was dead. But he decided to ignore the message. Say ignore the message. And this is where we talk about, and I want to just show this to you today, that we don't deny reality as we're standing in faith and believing God but we do choose to ignore it. And let me explain what I mean by that. Ignore, number four, ignore the messenger 
who's telling you to give up. Ignore the messenger who's telling you to give up. Jesus ignored their comments and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just trust me. We're not ignoring our reality or what's happening, but we're not going to allow our reality to come in the way of God's reality. That's what we're doing. And if we rehearse it over in our mind, or we come to small group and we say we're sharing our prayer request. You ever notice how people do this? They take 15 minutes to share the prayer request and it takes us 30 seconds to pray. I wonder if we prayed for the three or four minutes without describing it and just prayed for the issue and didn't talk out how bad it was. So by the time we're done, we're going, oh man, that's a big one. I don't even know if Jesus can handle that one. You better escalate that up. And so ignoring Jesus overhears, but he ignores and says to him, don't listen to that. What we're doing is we begin to rehearse God's reality over our situation. Greater is he that is within me than he who is in the world. My God is, his name is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. My God is Jehovah Jireh, my supplier. We begin to rehearse in our hearts, mind, soul, and spirit the truth of God's reality, not rehearsing, because the more you magnify the problem, the greater the fear that starts to come in because we believe the messenger. There's a whole story in the Old Testament about 10 and 2. 12 that went into the promised land. 10 said, can't be done. Two said, I think it can. In fact, we know it can. You can read that story. Learning to be a, a, um, listening to the messengers of hope, the messengers of the scripture. There's a messenger of that prayer that somebody prayed over you and you went, how did they know? Because the Holy Spirit was praying through them and you're holding on to that going, God knows. Have faith in God. Have faith in God's reality. Don't rehearse don't rehearse the problem. Number five, identify your fear. Jesus said, uh, we're going to ignore that. Trust me. Identify your fear and overcome it with faith. So we just learned that the economy of the kingdom is faith, so that Jesus literally felt a withdraw because the woman put a draw on uh, his power and um, there's, there's, there's a, th th just that, that sense of it, it Went from Jesus to her, a withdrawal. So the economy, the way power flows, the economy, that's what the economy is power flowing in a, in a nation. The way in the kingdom, the power of God flows is through faith. Say faith. Say it again. But in the kingdom of darkness, the way the enemy gets his work done is through fear. And so where fear is operating, the kingdom of darkness is operating, it's that economy that's happening. And so you need to identify, if you're looking for your miracle, number five, identify your fear and overcome it with faith. What is causing you to be fearful? What is causing you to think at that moment that this is going to a point of no return? A number of years ago, we had just started the church here, and it was actually um, I was in a small group leaders meeting um, with the small group leaders, and, um, and we were teaching, and um, I was in the fireside room, and it was just the early days of cell phone, or at least first cell phone I had, and uh, Christina was trying to reach me because there had been a tragedy at home. Aaron had gone into a seizure that he didn't come out of. The rescue workers were picking him up, bringing him in a severe snowstorm from Ingleside, where we lived at the time, into Cornwall. 
they'd given him enough Ativan to knock out a horse and uh, to try to break the seizure, but he, he was in full-out seize, and, um, and, and he was aspirating. Uh, he had vomited. He was aspirating on that. The, uh, the, the workers got him. The rescue workers came, and then the ambulance arrived and, and brought him in. So we went into the, um, into the emergency room. Um, he looked lifeless. In fact, we asked, is he alive? Um, and, and in those moments, in those moments, those are real moments. Those are moments when fear is real. The situation is real. And when you grow your faith, that when you grow your faith in the good times, what I can tell you is as difficult as that was and as hard as that was, and then we had some great small group leaders, some of which are here today, and they went into another room and just started praying. They, they, they got to Jesus. They started praying in another room. And that strengthened Christine and I. And it also, what we chose to do at that moment was, we don't understand what's happening, but we just out loud begin to say, Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. And it's not mind over manner. It's exercising your spirit to lock in on at this moment. I'm choosing to trust not what I see, but to trust the one who I can't see, but I know is here because I can sense his presence. Identify your fear. We had to identify that moment. We thought our son was going to die. We thought that his issues, um, you know, the, the disabilities, brain disabilities he already has are even going to be heightened. What, what will be left of him after a 30 to 45-minute seizure? And of course, um, that, that didn't, those things didn't happen. And I could go on with a story. Miracle after miracle took place um, in that snowstorm um, to get him up to Chio where we arrived an hour or some later where he was wide awake and uh, I knew who we were. And the doctor, literally, the emergency room doctor got into the ambulance with him saying, I can't assure you that he'll be alive when you get to Ottawa. I cannot assure you that. I'm going with him. And uh, those, those are scary times. There's some parents here today. You, you've known that or you're going through that. I want to tell you today, identify your fear and, 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 and overcome it with your faith in God. He took her by the hand. My last point, the team's coming up. We're going to shift, and uh, we're going to dismiss for those who need to go today, but for those who want to believe God for a miracle, there's going to be a prayer team, and we're going to stand with you and pray today for some miracles. He took her by the hand, and he said to her, um, yeah, the Aramaic word that I phonetically sounded up higher up in my notes, and I didn't hear, so I'm not even going to try, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Number six, it's our final point. Learn to speak life to your dead things. Learn to speak life to your dead things. I'm talking about Aaron, and we're believing for Aaron's continued healing and that nothing would hold him back. Not, there would be nothing that keep, could keep him from his destiny in God. And we believe he's fulfilling that today, but we believe there's more for him to fulfill. And so he has a chromosomal anomaly on his third chromosome. And uh, when I discovered that, I, I, I changed my prayer. Um, because now I was praying with some knowledge. And I speak to that chromosome very often in my prayer time. And it just goes something like this. Third chromosome, you will not stand in the way of my son's destiny. Third chromosome, as you think you can reproduce yourself over and over again, I'm telling you that God's going to change the, the mitosis of his cell work and that he's going to start having cellular reconstruction at a level that you're not going to be in charge anymore. You're not going to reproduce. And there's going to be less of you and less of you and less of you in his body until there's none of you at all. Third chromosome, I speak to you right now and I bind your work 
in his life. And I say, let go in the name of Jesus. And I speak life into his chromosomal makeup in Jesus' name. And that's how I speak to that dead area of his life. Do you have a dead area in a relationship that you're in right now? You can be in prayer while you're driving. I like to do it out loud because the Bible says speak to it. Say speak. Jesus spoke to a dead girl that could not hear him. But in the spirit, he was speaking. It's a principle he was teaching us that our tongue releases when we speak in faith. He said, truly, I say, if anyone says to the mountain, talk to your mountains, go throw yourself in the sea. We need to start standing up like Alareza did today. And somebody might say, wow, he's talking to the spirit of Islam and thinking he can just throw it off of, off of a nation. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you've got faith for that, you stand for that, you believe for that, and you speak to the dead things. Go throw yourself in the mountain, it'll be done. Therefore, I say whatever you ask for in prayer. So wasn't it the woman, you know, she took something without asking. It's to make the point. We mix prayer and faith, but it's faith first, then prayer. Faith first, then prayer. Sometimes faith comes while you're praying. I'm not saying you should wait. Understand how important faith and prayer are. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will indulge and eat its fruit. What are you speaking over your situation? Ma'am, what are you speaking over your marriage that you're believing for an unsaved uh, husband? And maybe you've been believing for a long, long time. Maybe you stopped praying. I don't, I don't know, but today, what are you speaking over your marriage? And by the way, um, I've watched with poise and grace wonderful women of God who have walked through that journey and just decided that they would go a step further and speak life in the relationship and go, I don't have to wait for a great marriage. I've got one in Jesus' name. I've got a great marriage. I'm enjoying every moment with my husband. And I can't wait until he comes to church with me. What are you speaking? How are you speaking to the dead things? Romans says this, that's written. I've made you a father of many nations, talking to Abraham. Abraham his body was dead. He couldn't produce children, and yet he had a word. When I say his body was dead, he was alive, but he was way beyond the age of being able to produce sperm and have children. As he, God spoke to Abraham, he said, uh, he is the father in the sight of God in whom he believes. So Abraham had faith. He had faith. And God who gives life to the dead and calls into being those things that were not did a miracle for Abraham. What's not happening in your life today? That right now you're beginning to sense the faith to believe God. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm going to speak to my dead things, and I'm going to speak life into them and receive my miracle. I hope that was helpful this morning. Would you stand to your feet right now? One of the greatest miracles that there is is when someone is born again. You say, what is that? Well, that's, the Bible says we're separated from God. We're born separated from God. We're born naturally from our mother's womb, and we're born separated in sin, going our own way. And every human being that Scripture teaches is given an opportunity to receive new life and to have a miracle, as we sang about today, that my before and after. I was this way, but now I'm this way because Jesus came to me. Jesus got to me. And that's how it begins. Jesus gets to us, and then we, we, from that moment, we get to him because of the way that was made on Calvary's cross. If you're here today, you've never received Jesus, I want you to ask him to come into your life today.
If that's you, this simple prayer. Online, this simple prayer. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you're not against me. Forgive my sin. Come in my life. In Jesus' name. We believe if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, Jesus took up residence in the, in, in the house of your soul, your spirit, and we pray that you will find this exciting journey like so many else have. As we stand here, we're going to close um, this time in worship. Um, I'm just believing that in this room right now, you just get a hold of your miracle. We want to do this practically. Uh, many that I've asked to be a part of the prayer team are, are a part of our worship. So as soon as they're finished worship, you are dismissed to go today. Uh, normally we say, hey, have a great week. Have a, you know, you, you go, go in the grace of God. We won't be doing that today. Um, as soon as the song is finished, uh, you're free to go. And if you're here today, there'll be a number of couples that'll be standing at the front. Uh, just come quick, stand in a, in a queue. And, and, and doesn't matter which couple you get. We're going to stand and believe for you today to get your miracle. Um, and you're going home. Come on, somebody. You're going home with your miracle. All right? Let's do it. Come on, just begin to stir it up in your heart, in your own spirit this morning. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You never, you never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faith. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. 
amen, amen. Was that a good word or was that a good word? <laughs> so good. Well, like Pastor said, please come down to the front. We would just love to pray with you and stand with you today. Otherwise, be blessed. Have an awesome weekend, and we'll see you next weekend.